Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast. Your backstage pass to revealing conversations with stars, creators, and industry leaders. On Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to the actors James Monroe Iglehart, Leslie Rodriguez Kritzer, and Michael Yuri, three of the stars of the new Broadway revival of Spamalot. All three of them starred in the show earlier this year at the Kennedy Center, where it turned out to be so popular that it got picked up for a Broadway run, with Iglehart, Kritzer, and Yuri now appearing in the show in New York, alongside new additions like Taryn Killam and Ethan Slater. Iglehart, who won a Tony for his role in Aladdin on Broadway, stars as King Arthur, with fan-favorite Kritzer, recently on Broadway in Beetlejuice, playing the Lady of the Lake. Yuri, seen earlier this year on Apple TV's Shrinking, and last on Broadway in Chicken and Biscuits, plays Sir Robin. All three are in the virtual studio to tell us about how all the stars aligned for the run, how some of the punchlines are improv and just how hard it is for everyone on stage to keep a straight face. Hello, Leslie, James, and Michael. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I was saying to uh, Leslie and James before you hopped on, Michael, that uh, I had seen the show. I saw the show the other night, and it had been the first time I had seen that show probably since the Broadway run and had such a great time. Um, But it also seemed like you all were having a really good time. And so I wondered, (laughs) is it as much fun as it looks? Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I, I, fun. I think, I think one of the fun things about our cast is that um, everybody's extremely talented. That's that's a given. Um, and everybody's um, a star in their own right by themselves. There's not a person on our stage that couldn't handle a stage by themselves. But put us all together, and everybody's really sweet, and everybody's really nice. And I think because everybody is so gifted, everybody puts their egos at the door and just comes to work ready to just have a good time with each other. And so what you're seeing on stage is literally all of us having the best time we are all fans of each other and we laugh and we make each other laugh by the things that we do and we all kind of wait for moments <laughs> we all we all wait for moments to laugh at each other of what we're going to do so yeah we're have we're having a good time it's pretty fun that was my next question actually is how hard is it to keep a straight face uh, the show? <laughs> it can be really challenging there's a moment in the show where chris fitzgerald just stares at me we're on stage he's not supposed to be He's just staring at me to make in, in, for, for the for the express purpose of making me laugh, and I have I know what's happening now, and so I'm doing my best to not look at him. But he's just standing there staring at me, and this like just mo- moment where the audience isn't looking at us; they're looking at other things. Um, so he's you know that's that's manipulative, and that's uh... <laughs> but it, it but we have trouble. I mean, there's things that happen every night that are slightly different that are funny. Mm. There's this part where. Ethan Slater is as a mime is miming dropping a baby off of a balcony and I, it makes yes. me laugh every night. Last <laughs> night I, I won't give away what the prop was because it's a bit of a spoiler, but a prop <laughs> started to roll into the pit and <laughs> King Arthur himself, James Monroe Iglehart, leapt to the ground <laughs> to stop it from rolling into the pit, and it turned into and then Taryn Killam did like a you know, three minute riff on <laughs> James right. diving to the stage and, and like the, everyone was in hysterics. Yeah. yeah. And, and what, how that actually leads me into my next question, which is how much of what you do is improv night to night? Like how much um, flexibility do you have <clears throat> to kind of switch up what you do? A lot, Leslie, well, you're not. <laughs> well, we, uh, yeah, we, I think there's certain parts of the show where we feel, um, they're built in. Mm-hmm. They're kind of pre-planned, but like I have a bit that I won't spoil at a certain part of the show where I've sort of, I kind of craft something every night and we're still like, Taryn also has that with James and we, I think we sort of are trying to figure out what's our A, B and C options sometimes. Cause you know, we can do it now, like make them up all the time, but after a while we're going to get tapped out <laughs> and we know like, when we do these things, if they're like winners uh, every time, that we can use them multiple times, they'll always land so we can just get into the groove of the show. But it's been so fun to kind of, especially now during previews, try to run jokes out like the other night when the SAG after strike mm. ended, I did the joke a lot of people in the audience didn't even know yet because it had just come out on our phones. Oh, wow. So I, I texted our spam group, which is all the, the boys mm-hmm. and me, mm-hmm. and I said, who's going to do this ag- j- joke? And Taryn's like, you should do it. And so I was like, okay, what can I say? And I did it, and it was killed. And But, you know, I'll probably do that for one more night, and then it's time to move on. And then, right, right. And then you'll swap you know? out with, an, with another yeah. current event. Or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there, there are moments which was really funny. Our, our show is built to the... I should say our shows, <laughs> because it's Monty Python, our show is built where with the performers that we have, if something happens everybody is good enough to be able to riff on it. It's not what we're planned to do. We're not supposed to. It's not like not like we're told not to, but if it happens and it's there, 
you know, you just take the ball and run. Everybody go. Everybody's a yes and actor, and we just keep going. And then we always find our way back to the script and just keep going with the story. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and how is it any easier to keep a straight face this time around than it was at the Kennedy Center, or does it get harder as it or it's exactly the same? It's, <laughs> I think it's especially harder. with Chris. Yeah. Yeah. So now Chris, we have Chris, and mm. he, like you, similar. Michael, he'll look at me during Grail. I'm singing, and he's like crossing his eyes like at yeah. me because he well, knows. He seems like he a troublemaker, that Chris. <laughs> and I well, absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. I also can't break because I'm singing, so there's actually no choice in the matter. You also don't realize that what's funny with, with Patsy's character, he doesn't say much, and every when he does speak, it's very important. But because he when he doesn't say because he doesn't have to say much, he has more time to look at people and make moments to try to get people. Like he's enjoying, he observes so much. So he's having a great time. The great thing, I'm saved from Fitzgerald because he's always behind me. <laughs> I, but, but I'm looking, I'm looking at the same direction he's looking and I'm watching someone across me breaking and I'm like, he's doing something behind me. <laughs> so for, for listeners who may not uh, remember the show, Patsy is the character with the coconuts behind King Arthur. Yes. And so he is, uh, he's, he's, as you say, often behind you. Um, as you have alluded to, there are moments where you add stuff in. There are clearly moments that are kind of updated from the original production, which premiered in 2005. Uh, how did those... How did those evolve and how much is that in conversation with like how much leeway do you have from like the original creative team to like really go wild with it what's the how, how, tell me about sort of that process of how how the show has grown well when we did it in dc you know i think it, it was such a quick gig like uh, we, we we had like two weeks to throw it up and we only did it like 10 shows and so i don't think it was really necessarily um a check in with the creative team, or, you know, the original creators every moment. It was more like, let's get the show up and see what happens and um, and listen to the audience and trust them. And if they like it, then it's working. And then I know that, you know, um, the powers that be saw our version or at least saw, you know, an archive or whatever of our version or or, you know, had their spies and seemed happy enough to, like, let us go to Broadway. So. I think there were a few things, little things here and there that they were like, okay, don't do that. You can keep that. You can do, you can do that. But, um, but it has been a kind of an organic process. I would say I don't have that much that's new. Uh, a few little things. I, I, I think that we created our show in so, sort of the same spirit that they created the original, which was who do we have and what can they do? And, and, and let's, let's cater to those people. Um, like, you know, if, if, if somebody, you know, if, if Ethan Slater can do a backbend, let's let him do a backbend. Um, if 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 Leslie and James can scat their brains out, let's let them do that. And um, and it and it and it seems to be it seems to be working, and they seem to be happy. I mean, I think that the audience is such an important element to this show, and they're the ones who tell us what's working and not working. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, for all three of you, this is your second time around uh, with this production. You know, all three of you were in it at the Kennedy Center. Um, and so rewinding back to then, what what was your relationship to Monty Python and to the movie, uh, the original movie? And then had you seen the show? What was your relationship to the musical itself? Um, when I was in college, uh, you know, if you're, if you're in college theater, there's always these uh, 
a couple of conversations that happened in the college green room. It's always Sondheim versus uh, Lloyd Webber and uh, Monty Python versus whoever anybody else thinks is funny. And so I came, <laughs> I came from the, the the household of Mel Brooks. And so some young man, I'll, I'll never forget it. He walked in, he was like, Monty Python's great. I, was like, I didn't know who Monty Python was. I thought it was a dude. And so what we got into this big argument of why my why Mel was better, and then he finally said, you need to watch this. So I watched the Holy Grail movie, and I was like, wow. Actually, I think they're equal in their own right. And that's how I became a Monty Python fan. But seeing the show, I was in a show, I was in my first Broadway show and I was so broke, I couldn't see anything. Mm. But I was doing this reading and this a friend of ours uh, named Kevin Covert was in uh, Spamalot. And he was like, you wanna see the show? And I was like, man, I ain't got no money to see the show. He was like, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And he got me a ticket. And I went and saw the show, and um, Clay Aiken was actually playing um, oh, yeah. Michael Yuri's part. Mm -hmm. And I laughed my face off because I was like, oh, right, this is like the movie. And I had so much fun. So that's my relationship with uh, the actual show. But because mm -hmm. of college, I became a fan of the uh, Monty Python and the Flying Circus and the TV show. So I, I, I would watch it and occasionally and like, just see it. Also, all those guys became like these amazing movie stars in America in like the 80s and 90s. So it was really kind of cool to to watch it, but that's my relationship with it. As far as the show was concerned, I got to see it that one time and never in a million years would I think I'd be a part of this, but yeah. I'm definitely glad I am now. Yeah. Uh, what about for you, Leslie? Did you know Monty Python? I mean, I had seen the movie growing up once, but I was it wasn't, again, like James said, I was it wasn't a Monty Python household. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, I definitely, we you know, my parents, we always had stand-up comedians like that's you know I grew up listening to Robin Williams and Eddie Murphy and like the best sitcoms ever and some of the funniest movies and again the stars of Monty Python were movie stars like I knew them more in that regard but Monty Python itself I saw the movie once and it and you know I'll be completely frank I I'm a, a woman and it was a lot of male humor so oh. there wasn't a lady of the lake in in the movie um so it, it didn't resonate in the same way it does now. Now I saw the show 20 years ago with Sada in the back of the Schubert and yeah. I was like wowed by her and the show, but really my takeaway as a woman, I was like, oh wow, like Lady of the Lakes, everything. I think a lot of people, you know, when they see that character, it's kind of like, whoa, it's so surprising and she's not in the movie. Right. Um, but then coming into the show going, oh, you know, cause so many people have played this part I think for me, I just come in and I go, I didn't want to watch the movie again. Didn't want to listen to the recording. I just come in and I go, who are the people that I get to play with in the sandbox? And the director, everyone was so warm and open. We didn't have time to think. We threw this thing up and we said, let's give the best of what's in our toolbox and our tricks. And the audience loved it. And I think that's also a testament to the fact that it's a really well-built show. Mm. And we just got to add our talents to that. So... I mean, to be now on Broadway is like, what? I still look around. I'm like, wait, are we not? Are we? Is there the green? Where's the green room at the Eisenhower? Because this is <laughs> crazy that we're doing it here. But yeah. I feel very lucky. Yeah. Michael, were you a Monty Python fan? Yeah, well, when I was, you know, a teenage boy, I was, you know, the the perfect audience for Monty Python's Holy Grail. It's, you know, it's the fart jokes and the wordplay. It, it, it appeals, you know, directly to a 12 year old nerd like me. And so I was really into the movie, but then it was um, my, my taste sort of changed as I, as I got older and I, you know, got into high school and I started to really love, you know, 
theater and musicals and um and i and i've i've always been really good at when i see a musical seeing a role that i'm capable of because you know like i'm not i can't do a lot of things vocally or or physically um dance wise and so when i see a part i'm like oh i could i could sing that i could play that part and mm -hmm. i remember seeing spam a lot on the west end um and and i and i remember thinking oh i could i could play sir robin i could sing that stuff i could and i could play i could play that part and i knew that like david i pierce had done it and then i saw clay i, I saw clay aiken do it on broadway too and of course he can sing so so beautifully but but it's you know that's i i had my eye on it and then i weaseled my way in when i found out when they announced um i think it was the first announcement at the kennedy center was james and leslie and alex brightman and rob mcclure i was like are any of those guys playing Sir Robin by chance? Um, and if not, could I please be in that? And I asked. I what? asked to be in it. Is that how it happened? Yeah. Are you serious? I asked. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea, Michael. Michael. Oh my God. I was like, let me look at those dates. Let me. I, I saw that all those guys were doing it. And I was like, let's let's get into it. And um, and they asked. And I had worked there before, so they knew me at the Kennedy Center. And um, yeah, they said yes. Okay, that's cool as hell. Man. That's I so no cool, idea. Michael. That's actually, I, I was going to ask, I mean, uh, Leslie, as you pointed out, there's sort of no other role for you in this particular nope. musical. And Michael, you clearly had, had <laughs> that's it, like had your eye on, on yeah. the one. Um, James, theoretically, you could have played any of the other guys in the, in the show. What was there a role? Was King Arthur the one that you were thinking about or like what, what, how did you, how did you gravitate toward that? Um, I, I, I could honestly say this family was never on my radar, mm. never on my radar. I never, I, you know, when I saw it, I thought it was funny and I thought it was great and I really, really enjoyed it, but it never it never occurred to me that someone would call me for that show. What happened was I was I had just done Guys and Dolls with the Kennedy Center right. a few months before. And then I get a call. They were they were supposed to do one show and that fell through. And I get a call and they were like, Hey, they just got an offer for King Arthur. And I was like, well, no, actually what's funny is they had announced that they were doing spam a lot and Leslie's husband, Vadim, who is the who was my musical director for my first show on Broadway ever? Mm. He texted me and he said, "Listen, uh, they're doing Spamalot and they want Leslie and you know like, do you think she should?" And I'm like, "Oh my God, she's gonna have a great time. Said, Go ahead, just gonna be great." And then Rob McClure calls and say, "Man, I'm, uh, you just did the Kinney Center. Is it fun?" I was like, "Oh, you're gonna have a great time. It's so much fun." And I told my wife, "I was like, man, they're calling all the cool people for this show. I said, like, we need to go. We need to mm. go and see this." And like the the next week, they called for me and I was like, "Wait, um, when I just talked to Nimmo?" <laughs> Who you want to play? King Arthur? Yeah, I'm there. Forget it. I'm, I'm in. Honestly. If yeah. they're going, I already told them to go. So yes, I'm in. That's exactly how it happened. Wow. And I had to go back and like, you know, look at the script and like look at the movie because like I said, I knew it, but it had never crossed my mind to play the role. So, and I, but I'm so glad they called. Yeah. yeah. It's magic how it all, it really is. Yeah. It's really magical how every, all of these people who, you know, all of us get, you know, calls, we're busy, whatever that we were all available in that window of time. And here we are. Like that's, that's the, that's, it's a, what do they say? Beshert. Mm. It's Jewish. Beshert. And when, I, when, when she says that window of time, that's what made it so funny because all of us had exactly those three weeks to do it. Mm. That's it. This is before the strike. Nothing. Everybody was, everybody was work. Everybody was signed to something else the day after it closed at the yeah. candy store. So the fact that we're on Broadway with it now is like, what? How did this happen? <laughs> so weird. I'll have more with James, Leslie, and Michael 
right after the break. Welcome back to my conversation with the Spamalot actors James Monroe Eigelhart, Leslie Rodriguez Kritzer, and Michael Yuri. That super brief sort of both rehearsal and performance, it was like what, ten performances, you said, mm-hmm. Michael? Like it was like it was like ten days or something, like nine days even. Like yeah. it was it was a very it was a very short time. Is it similar to encores in that in that kind of uh structure in terms of like bang, crashing it through totally yeah. you go? Yeah, it's yeah. just like that. very similar. Yeah. And so how much of what was on the Kennedy Center stage, how much does what we're seeing on Broadway look like what happened on the Kennedy Center stage? Is the um like like is the set similar? Is the all that yeah. stuff? The set's pretty similar. Yeah. The orchestra was um on stage with us um on top of the castle at the Kennedy Center and mm. now they're in the pit. That's the biggest mm. difference. And then we had a, mm-hmm. a bunch of projections in um DC, but those have been I mean, everything's sort of enhanced and improved. Yeah, um, right. But it's it's very similar, and and I mean, you would have been shocked at how much we did in ten days. Uh, it was right. it, they're extremely ambitious, and and you know, theater is a miracle, and it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Any, I mean, every night, every night, I'm like, how do we do this? How do we get two thousand people in here in their seats, and then you know, two hundred some odd people performing it, you know, like making right. it happen? Like it's just it's a miracle, but. Those are real miracles because they're big productions. Jeffrey Finn, who runs that center stage um, program at the Kennedy Center, he's a very ambitious guy and Mm. he makes magic happen and he gets people in that are insane and he he gets them to do these big shows. And this is a big show. We had lots of costume changes, lots of Mm -hmm. set pieces. It was the biggest. I mean, I had done... One other for them and one encore. This is definitely the biggest of any of those shows. Mm. Um, and they'll probably just keep getting bigger because we keep pulling it off. <laughs> yeah, I, think that, yeah. I think that's the other thing. Um, some of the people that the people that end up doing these concerts like encores or uh, center stage at uh, Kitty Center, there is a certain mindset. There's a certain you you kind you kind of come in knowing it's those professionals who who've done Broadway and love it. But also we still have that summer stock feel of like sure we could do a show in one day that makes sense yeah let's go fine whatever and everybody just comes in like just ready to go and everybody like i said puts their ego at the door and goes okay so what are we doing and it's amazing to watch these folks create because it literally just happens it literally just happens on the fly and next thing you know we're in the audience and then we're done so the fact that we actually get to take that magic that we created at candy city to bring it to broadway and we get to kind of refine it and iron out the wrinkles. We're like, oh snap, this is now now we got something. This is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Was the Broadway run and the dates was your availability facilitated by the strike? I imagine it was. Was that part of um part of the magic that made it help helped pull it together for this this uh this return? I mean, to an extent, I think. Well, also, you know, the the whole Broadway game is is uh, real estate. Yeah. It's all about real estate. You know, what theater's available when, when sh- what shows are still open, how long are they? I mean, it is kind of also a miracle that we got a theater because mm-hmm. things, especially in the, the landscape of now with Broadway and how people buy tickets, they, you know, do they buy in advance unless there's a star? What kind of shows, you know, you don't always have a Daniel Radcliffe or a Hugh Jackman. So like e- everything is still post pandemic getting like, it's all sort of getting still figured out. So I think, 
you know, people, obviously we had, as my brother says, heat on us, <laughs> you know, coming from the Kennedy center. He's like, you guys got heat. Um, so we were, we were definitely the, one of those shows that people were like, yeah. And I think, you know, to Jeffrey's credit and thanks to the Jamsons and ambassador theater group, they were like, you know, uh, this could be your next home. And, you know, we, of course, New York, New York, we felt terrible that they were closing because we love those, love those guys too. But we all, all of us on here have been in shows that have opened and closed or have taken over a space. And that's yeah. just sort of the thing. Sure. So that's kind of the we nature lucked of the out. business. We, we, we really out. did luck out. We right? really did. Yeah. Did you have longer to rehearse this time around? A little bit. Yeah, we had already well, done not, it. So. Not James. We we yeah. had a little bit of time, but James is doing uh, what a wonderful oh, world, and and we yeah. only got him on Mondays. He was all oh right, Louis yeah. Armstrong, and so I was, uh, oh wow, that's he didn't get that's he a got, schedule, James. He got less rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, I was I I, I all altogether I had uh, had about six days of rehearsal. I call I say six days because I had four day four Monday four full Mondays with them, okay. and two. Uh, Two half Tuesdays, <laughs> wow. Two wild. actually two quarters Tuesdays, and then uh, it was the put in, and then with the audience. So it was about remembering what we did in D.C., watching videos, and uh, then the rehearsals I had with these wonderful people. And you guys, I told I told them as much as I can the grace and patience that they had with me to be able to come in while they're working their butts off, and I'm doing another show and coming in and doing it. It, it like Michael said, it's it's uh, it's a miracle things happen the way the way they do. As you mentioned, there are some new additions to the cast. Not everyone from the Kennedy Center could come for the Broadway run. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what they they bring to the show. It sounds like sounds like Chris is always trying to crack you up. Uh, Ethan is doing backbends. Is that it? And uh, so, what, yeah, what else is uh, what else is how how else has the show sort of changed in the interim? Well, it's kind of funny the the way the way that uh, our show was put together the first time. It was like you know friends calling friends. You know, you know having Leslie call or Rob call. That's kind of what happened with this. Um, you know, because of another wonderful show, we don't get to use until January. We don't get to have the wonderful talents of Alex Brightman. But uh, Nick Walker, who was in our show, was very is very good friends with Taryn Gillum and was like, hey. You should call, mm -hmm. and that's how Taryn got in. Yeah. Uh, Fitzgerald, I think, was a Josh Rhodes call. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the fact that we and to actually get those two to get those two again is a miracle because Taryn is just like a freak of nature when it comes to comedy. He is a comedy um, encyclopedia. There isn't a comedy movie he doesn't know or can't recite or can. And, and I mean, his sketch comedy background is just insane. And then there's Chris Fitzgerald, who also is like a comedy guru. He's literally figuring out bits while he's doing other bits. And to get him, it's nuts. And then there's Ethan, and people always for, people always forget, this is Tony-nominated SpongeBob. This is one of the most amazing physical comedy actors that we have of our generation. And the fact that we have this guy in our show, and Ethan the most switches between characters, you're like, this is insane. He's got a lot so, of costumes, Ethan. Yeah, we, yeah. we have... That, that was one of those moments where we kind of went, oh, but everybody was, it's one of those moments where like, the door is supposed to open for those the door is supposed to open for. And when right. the door opened, these folks walked in and just, they fit right in. It was, a, it, the puzzle pieces just all fell together. Love. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wow. It's the, money. the best. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Did you say money? The money and the prestige. Uh, there's something about people applauding for you that it's like a drug. Like, I don't I don't drink, but something about people clapping. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so pure. You know, it's such a... It, I mean, the prestige is real, too. Like, it, it, there is, it, it is kind of the highest peak. So getting to go to, you know, work on Broadway is always exciting. Getting to walk in a door and have your picture right next to the door you walk in. That is a really nice feeling. Um, but to, to, to me, like, it's the, like, as an artist, it's the purest being on stage, um, whether it's Broadway or off-Broadway or regional or whatever. It is, it is absolutely the purest. You're in, you, you, you're in control of your performance for that period of time. The audience is getting the entire story from you and your colleagues. And it's the, 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 the feat of, of making a show. It's the feat of, like, Leslie Kritzer hitting that note just for us tonight, that she does that just for us tonight, especially with the show like this, where she's actually making jokes that she won't make the next night. Um, the audience feels very special because they know that, that they're getting something completely unique. And, and that's something you can't do in a, on a, on a movie or on a TV show. It, you know, you're such a cog in a wheel um, in, in on camera stuff. You, you're, you don't have control of, over anything really, except for, you know, you don't even really have control over your, your takes because they might use a different take or they might not be on you. You know, I mean, I've it's happened to me so many times where I have this great idea and I have this whole plan in my head of what how it's going to look. And then they don't use it. And and I'm off camera for, you know, that big bit I had and um, or that big idea that I had or they use a, some weird version or the director comes in at the last minute. It's like, why don't you try it this way? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that, but I do it. And that's the one they use. In theater, it doesn't work like that. It's really, we are really, we have a lot of control over our own performance night tonight. And of course, we're collaborating with director, choreographer, music director, and a cast and a, and creative team. But um, but we're in the driver's seat. And, uh, and the audience knows that we are and knows that what they're getting is unique and special. Yeah, I'll just quickly add to that um, both, I mean, I think it is exactly what you said. It's the purest form of a communication, especially now, like we're always on our phones or and now more than ever, I feel like to be in a room with people, to have that immediate reaction, that immediate connection, it's what I, you know, I grew up always loving that since I was, did the crocus that wouldn't bloom in, you know, first grade and I played the caterpillar. <laughs> That played the that became the butterfly. It's the same the same thing. The relationship that I had, the immediacy, that energy, that whatever is in the air, uh, 
you know, it is, um, it's special also to walk into that theater every night. It never gets old. The St. James, all of the theaters, everyone, sometimes we'll talk, we'll go, what's your favorite theater? What's your favorite theater? When I walk into the St. James, you feel like you're like, oh, I'm walking into like a home. You know, this is our home. We're the home team. This is our home base. And this is, you know, the front of staff. Everyone says hello. We're, hey, hey. It's, it's amazing family in the building. The, the way that theater works and Broadway works, but really anywhere, but especially Broadway, because you, you're in for the long haul, there is a sort of lifestyle. And, you know, that is really special. You won't kind of find that anywhere else. Um, where, you know, you're just in a building with these people all the time, and then you're giving away on stage every night, but also the dynamic in the building is really special. And, um, and when it's over, you miss that. You miss, hey, stopping by this person's dressing room or this person or, you know, snob on Saturday nights or those things. It's, um, it's not just the out on the stage. It's behind the stage, too. And so, Yeah. Why do you think Spamalot is landing as strongly uh, as it is right now? What do you feel like people are really responding to in this moment uh, about what Spamalot offers? Joy, I think. I think it's the joy. We're, we're, there's so much going on in our world and has been for like the last six years. There, like there's been so much ugliness um, and vitriol. And, and it, it's just getting worse and, 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 and we're all, get, I mean, I feel it and I, you know, I, I feel myself getting worse. I was just, before I hopped on this, I was on a customer service um, chat with, and I was getting so angry and I was saying things. I was like, this isn't me. I'm not like this, but the world is so, um, it's so divisive. And this, this show from the moment it starts, the very first thing is. It, it shakes you. It, it, the very first thing that happens in the, in the theater is you get shook to laugh. Um, and then almost literally, like you are startled into <laughs> laughter. And then it's just funny. Eric Idle comes on and tells you to turn off your cell phones in a funny way. And then the music is fun. And then funny things start to happen. And you're taken away. This show, like 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 no other, takes you immediately. Um, and I think people really appreciate that. They really appreciate getting swept away and not having to think, not having that. There's no chance for someone to think, I wonder what's on my phone. I mean, you think about how much on TV, when you're watching, when you're watching TV or a movie, you think about your phone and you think about what, 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 what has anything happened on my phone? And this show doesn't let you do that. There's no time for you to, for you to stop. There's too many things happen, too many people coming in and out and it's so <laughs> fast and it's so loud and so bright and, I think I think people want that. People don't want a chance to think about their lives, and this show doesn't give it to them. Yeah. I also think people just want to laugh. Yeah. I mean, we have you know. I think Broadway has been Broadway. Like I always feel like this way with Hollywood. If you watch the Oscars and like all you watch the Oscars and like all twelve or twenty five films that are up for best film, which I always think is too many. Um, <laughs> Are like the most serious slit your wrists things in the world. Yeah. It's 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 racism. It's the Holocaust. It's mm. something bad happening to women. It's a, there's a child that needs to run away from <laughs> like every every movie is depressing, and then there's this one comedy, and you're like, you know that comedy's not gonna win. Well, I think <laughs> our show, I think our show is that palate cleanser. 
And uh, don't get me wrong, all the shows that are coming into Broadway this season are wonderful. That everybody's trying to make you think and trying to make you feel the realness of what's going on in the world. And our show is like, hey man, you want to laugh? Come over to our place. Come over to come over to St. James right. exactly. and just laugh. Just laugh with us, because tonight. We don't want you to think about what's going on in your life. We don't want to make you reflect on what you've done with what you've done with your life. We just want you to laugh at what's about to happen here. And remember that there is a time to laugh and there's just a time to be silly with your friends and just have a good time. Have a $5 can of Pringles, sit down <laughs> right. with a $25 beer or wine sippy cup and just laugh Whatever at thing. us. At, you know, just, just laugh at us being taking a story that is obnoxious in the first place and then and then blowing it out of proportion and have fun with us you know laugh at things that people say are taboo and we are ta we are taking no prisoners we're talking about everybody we are ripping on everybody and letting everybody say look we're all silly inside and we all actually really want to laugh at each other with each other for each other all together and I think this show does that. So you can go see all those other shows and learn and live and reflect. But our show, you're going to come out and just have a good time. That's really what we want to do is just That's entertain right. you and let you have a good time. And I'll just say just at the at just and that's per, it's perfectly said that <laughs> there is a moment in the show where I'm on stage with James and Chris and I look out on the audience and I and I and I've said this before, like. You know, it's fun. You're coming to laugh. And then there is a moment on stage when I'm on stage with the, in this moment and I go, this really matters. Mm -hmm. It matters because we need to get back to the place where we really can feel joy and love. And that's what's in that theater. That's what I feel in that moment. James, you know what I'm talking about. Nice, Just like we're all together and let's do this together. You know, the show's almost over. Yeah. Let's go out with a bang. But like we care about each other. And I think that also in this group, it resonates. And I really think it's um, that's what happens. We're like, we can't believe that's a Monday night. They're going nuts. And it's because we are and we are having an amazing time and we need it just as much as them. Yeah. And so that's it's palpable. It's really special. I'll spam a lot uh, at the St. James Theater um, through hey. April. Thank you, all three of you, for And we'll be, on the parade. we'll be on the parade. We'll be on the parade. Oh, and you'll be on the parade. Also, That's tune crazy. in for the parade. Freezing, but yeah, we'll be Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> well, I'll be, me and Mike will be okay. Poor Leslie. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed to drink? I mean, <laughs> just I think a you're little. encouraged. It'll help yeah. the scatting. <laughs> Seriously, uh, totally. I don't yeah. like whiskey, but I'll, you know, whatever. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thank you to all three of you. Thanks for being thank here. Thank you. Thanks, you. Thanks. That was James Monroe Eigelhart, Leslie Rodriguez Kritzer, and Michael Yuri, now starring on Broadway in Spamalot. If you enjoyed this conversation here on Stagecraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help. Or tell a friend about Stagecraft. Find past episodes and subscribe at all the places you get your pods, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, a great place to find more theater for your ears. Until next episode, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gordon B. Cox. You can also check out my new newsletter about international theater. It's called Jakewees, and it's at gordoncox.substack.com. Thanks for listening, and see you at the theater.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.